0: Hi, guys. This is Julia with Undressing the Issue. So today I have a special guest, my husband, Ted. Hello. Hi. Um, So I wanted to do something a little bit different today. Ted and I recently went to go see the Joker movie, and I know it doesn't have to do with sex or relationships necessarily, but it does have to do with mental health or illness and so i thought it would be pertinent to bring it up um, because i think this is a kind of a big topic of conversation right now just in general so are you up for it ted
1: absolutely before we get too far into it uh, i will say there probably can be some spoilers on this one so. if, <laughs> okay. if you haven't seen the movie be warned
0: okay so spoiler alert okay there's your disclaimer so ted why were you interested in seeing the joker
1: well, I was interested in see The Joker because I like dumb comic book movies, and this one was said to be a little bit darker than most, and so I've actually seen it twice. I saw it once by myself, and then uh, once again when I saw it with uh, you, after you said you wanted to see it. So it's a great movie, though. Very, very good.
0: Okay so you saw it because you're a fan of comic books and because
1: i'm a fan of comic books um i'm a big fan of joaquin phoenix he's a great he's a great uh actor he is and i wanted to see a darker take on the joker that wasn't so comic booky or so that's basically on a comic book but uh so that's why i mainly wanted to see it because i wanted something darker something a little more adult and it definitely d- delivered
0: <laughs> yeah It did. So I had very different reasons for wanting to see it. I wanted to see it because there was all sorts of buzz on all these different mental health forums that I'm a part of. And a lot of other um, mental health clinicians and people in my field were talking a lot about how mental illness is portrayed in the movie. So that was a lot of why I wanted to see it because... I really have zero interest in comic books, superheroes, anything like that, action movies and anything gory is not typically my cup of tea. But um, those are my reasons for wanting to see it. So when we left the movie theater, uh the whole drive home, we had kind of a heated discussion about the movie. Not heated like we got in a fight, but you know, we disagreed on some points and lively discussion. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um and we also kind of talked about it from our respective angles and our reasons for wanting to see it. And I think this is applicable to the general public because not everybody is coming from the mental health perspective. And I think there are a lot of people out there like you who are just fans of this type of genre and this kind of material who are also being exposed to the mental health aspect of it. I
1: definitely think the vast majority of people are there to see it for a dumb comic book movie.
0: <laughs> okay. Fine. So no. so I guess um where to start. Um one of the things that we got into about the movie was um mental illness and how it was portrayed um not just in the main character the joker what was his first name arthur arthur i think yeah
1: Arthur not fisk no that's that's the other guy anyway yeah anyway arthur. arthur was his first name. arthur
0: was his first name so arthur and his mom were kind of like the two biggest ones so what were your thoughts on that on mental illness just based on your understanding of it
1: Well, it looked like someone who was, he, uh, being the kind of lonely guy who's probably kind of middle-aged, still lives with his mom, which already sets up a real dark, and especially in this world, it's real dark. It's not like, oh, it's happy. Why is it dark? It's dark because, like, he sits in bed with her and they watch TV together. Like, they're almost dating. Like, it's kind of really sad. Like, again, there's a scene where he's literally bathing her.
0: Is it sad or is it, like, inappropriate? Mm.
1: it's kind of borderline which kind of is like basically very much in line with the movie always kind of borderline between what is real and what isn't so but it's definitely real he definitely watches his mom and it's creepy
0: (laughs) (laughs) creepy okay so on this front I saw it differently. I saw it as totally inappropriate and I actually saw it as enmeshment. Like she has this relationship with him where he's basically playing the role of a pseudo spouse where he takes care of her emotionally, physically. Um, He also kind of manages her, her needs around even like food, you know, he's feeding her and you know, I'm a big believer that parents are supposed to take care of children. And I get that when parents are aging, we help them. But it just didn't feel like she was incapable of doing a lot of those things for herself. It was just kind of expected of him.
1: Well, I definitely kind of somewhat disagree because I definitely feel as though she was incapable mentally for sure. And I think I think she needs him. And I think there's going to always be some level of almost like, not incest, but like, a real closeness potentially too close that comes across in that kind of scenario of like an older son living with his mom and to me again it doesn't really become creepy until they sit in bed and are talking she's like oh come to bed and like it just seems a little too comfortable
0: well what about the whole concept of emotional incest
1: Sure. I mean, that's, again, I, I just, I see it as more like there's a closeness that has evolved due to them living together all the time and him taking care of her that I don't, maybe that's what it is now, but I think it grew out of just necessity. And I don't know, I guess I don't see it as like, it is awful and kind of, I, to me, it's more sad. It's just more sad. It's not really something to like, it's a, it's a problem. It just is depressing. kind
0: of. Yeah. Okay. Well, you did use one specific word, creepy, which has a really negative connotation. And I'm not sure that it's creepy because I feel like replacing judgment in saying that. But, you know, what is it about the idea of a middle-aged man still living at home with his mother that I guess is viewed a certain way?
1: Yes, I believe, especially in modern society, um, I think middle-aged men living with their mothers is probably seen just generally as relatively negative um and i think the creepiness probably more so comes out of the film itself just given the setup like if we didn't if we didn't have the rapper of like knowing this is going into a dark place it might not have seemed as sad and more kind of like sad in a like oh he has to do that kind of a sad like gray gardens real sad way um but in this movie it feel again it feels a place out of necessity and then the film itself the tone i think sets the creepiness
0: i gotcha Well, I mean, it's not supposed to be, like, a heartwarming, you know, family movie. So, okay. Definitely not. Right. But I also think that there's something to be said for the way... Somebody is judged like the whole idea of a middle aged man living with his mom. There's this stigma associated with it of like, you know, he's not successful, he wasn't able to amount to anything, there's something wrong with him, he's a loser, whatever else. Like, there is something negative about it. But if you look at like millennials nowadays, it's not like in our generation because we're a little bit older, <laughs> um, that you know, you went to college and you launched from your home, like you were expected to leave and get on your own two feet and get a job after college and live independently. I feel like more people now are coming back home, having a harder time finding lucrative jobs. You know, they're staying in school longer because they're assuming that having more degrees is going to be, you know, more promising for them in terms of getting a better job. And, you know, the culture's changed around that. But there's still this stigma. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, of course there's a stigma, but again, like, you know, I think, as you said, modern society, I mean, rent costs, like housing costs, you know, we're in Los Angeles, like minimum homes, like a million dollars. Like, I can't get that home right now. Um, But, you know, this reality of modern situations and finances, I think makes living at home, again, not creepy, at worst, I'd say just kind of sad, but in this movie, again, tonally and just kind of thematically i think it just takes to a really dark place
0: yeah yeah for sure so um so what about so i saw mental health all across the board and i actually feel like she not only could take care of herself but didn't i mean she moved around fine she was walking fine you know I don't see why she has to sit in a tub and let him pour water over her. I feel like that is emotional incest. Um,
1: I'm not sure we ever actually see her ever actually walk We
0: in did the movie. when we she see- came out carrying the letter.
1: Okay. We already right.
0: warned everyone that they're spoilers, so oh, warning fair, again.
1: Oh, fair enough, fair enough.
0: Yeah, she walks around just fine. But to me, what it speaks to is how, really, she never took care of him. I mean... Later on in the movie, we find out that she allowed him to be terrorized and horribly abused, and that she abused him as well. And so, to me, what that says is she never took care of him, but that there was this expectation of him being loyal to her and always taking care of her, which puts him in a position that isn't necessarily fair, it's not appropriate for a parent to expect their child to take care of them, even starting at a young age. Granted, we're walking into the storyline when he's middle-aged, but we are given glimpses into his childhood and how she never really took care of him. So I actually think that it is pretty inappropriate and that it is this enmeshment, this, um, this unhealthy boundary situation, and that it's emotional incest.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's, I definitely think that they, they make his history kind of interesting and makes it seem very loving. But then by the end of the movie, again, spoilers, uh, they rip it away. And this is a problem that I had with it in a very comic book way of like, oh, you were abused as a child, terrible, terrible childhood, terrible, terrible, terrible. And that to me is just an easy comic book out for the story. But also to me it kind of weakens it makes his character less interesting to me that's like oh he's just abused that's why he's bad and that to me seems like an easy out when it would be much more interesting if he wasn't abused and it's like well then how did it get so bad and to me it just the the abuse angle that they bring up in the movie is straight out of a comic it's like the easy out like it just is less exciting to me
0: so here is where we differed because i never read comics i'm not into comics and for me not knowing that this is a common comic book angle what i saw was actually something that seemed very valid because in the work that i do as a therapist with people who i've had to work with who are abusive who are aggressive i've had to work with some people who are sociopaths it is actually accurate that pretty much all of them i would say most of them have their own histories of trauma and abuse that it doesn't just happen for no reason, that it's either something in their family where they had a parent who was abusive and had their own issues and took it out on them, or they're genetically predisposed and they grow up in an, an abusive environment. And so it's kind of like this perfect storm, like this combination of all the necessary factors of nature and nurture and all of a sudden, you have created a monster. So I actually thought that this was pretty spot on.
1: And, you know, and as you're saying, like, uh, that's absolutely how people like how monsters are created. But again, you can kind of see in a different way, you see another monster created throughout the movie, which is Batman, you see Batman created, you basically meet him as a child when he's relatively normal.
0: Well, you see his trauma.
1: Yeah, but you—I mean—at the very end of the film, you see what makes him Batman, which is once again the most terrible thing possible: his parents getting murdered right in front of him. Yeah. And again, that's why. Again, that's why. Like the whole angle of child abuse and stuff from the film is just feels a little soft to me. But again, minus the comic book, it definitely is a probably standard, terrible, common beginning to like terrible people. Right.
0: (laughs) It may seem cliche in comic books, but I will say that in treating mental illness and seeing this um, cycle of violence and abuse, there's almost always the presence of some pretty severe trauma in the person's background and their history. So for me, I didn't see it that way. And also I, didn't realize until you told me in the car later that that was Batman, the little kid. I was like, why is this important about Batman? I don't get it. And then you had to tell me. So... And then I was like, oh, right, checks out. Yeah, it makes sense. So, um, thank you for cluing me in on that. You're very it, welcome. It would have gone right over my head. So, <laughs> it's kind
1: of important, but yes.
0: Yes, yes, <laughs> kind of huge and totally missed me. So... um. So, yeah, so I disagree, and I think that it's pretty accurate. Um, I think a lot of people have heard about, you know, the trauma or, you know, violence cycles that people who are violent oftentimes have histories of their own trauma around experiencing violence. And I just thought that that actually added legitimacy to his whole experience and how he's presented as being kind of meek, but also at times explosive and rageful and like where that comes from.
1: And that's why it's a good movie because you didn't need to know that. No, I didn't. And I, I did. I got a little bit more out of it maybe, but like you still enjoyed it. And yes. That's, that's, that's a good movie.
0: I did. So on the mental illness front, I mean, we kind of talked about what was presented in terms of mental illness, but what about – how um society's attitude towards mental illness how that was presented what I, did you think
1: i mean from the opening scenes of him dealing then this is why i wanted you to come see it yeah so badly was one of the opening scenes is him being talking talking to a uh therapist um and going through his, like...
0: Well, she was kind of like a caseworker. Like, she wasn't really a therapist. She was kind of useless.
1: Sure. Okay. But, but again, but I, but you say useless, but I see him like, oh, that's pretty much what the system is, isn't it? Like, you know, it seems very kind of, like, real. And the fact, especially when, oh, budget cuts, sorry. Well, where am I going to go for... He asked, where am I going to go for my pills? And she says, I don't know. And that just felt very real to me. And, like, just mainly about, like, how we view... Mental illness again, we we live in Southern California, well, and we, also
0: how much access we offer to underprivileged people
1: or lack of access,
0: yeah, well, that's <laughs> what I'm saying, yes, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> and I mean, you know we we live here in Southern California, and we we see it on the streets every day. I mean, there's an incredible homeless population here, and largely probably mental health stuff. And I just don't think it's a problem people want to deal with, and this movie mm-hmm. kind of covers that in the fact that, like, Sorry, budgets are cut. What are you going to do? Not my problem. And no one cares. Like, literally no one cares.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that, yes, it shows this lack of regard for the issues that we have with the limited amount of services that people can have access to. But I also feel like there was a pretty big message in the movie all around as a whole on how... Someone with mental illness is ostracized, is marginalized, is treated like they're less than, like they're, you know, they're not an equal member they're not a full whole person and i feel like that was made evident when he had his like laughing thing and he had the card that said i have a condition again spoiler alerts but we warned you so fair game so um he had his little card that said i have a condition and it causes me to laugh inappropriately and You know, and in the end, it was like, well, was that actually an issue? But he had a symptom of something. It was something that set him apart and made him different and noticeably to other people. And it was just this repeated demonstration of how he was bullied for it, how he was treated poorly, negatively judged, the attitudes he got, the looks he got. And I feel like, to me, what I took away from that was just how... People are so quick to judge and how there is still this attitude and stigma towards mental illness and being around someone like that. Like, I just think we talk about it and you see it in social media and whatever, and there's all these proponents for, you know, mental health awareness and making sure that we have programs and funding in place. And they say that and they talk a big game, but you know, what are they actually like when they're out and about in real life and they're not behind a keyboard and they come across somebody with mental illness? And, you know, I feel like the message changes.
1: I was going to say that, like, I mean, that is the, like, that movie does it really well. And it highlights the fact that, like, you know, as more important people, it's obviously set in Gotham City slash New York. Um, And, you know, it's tight. It's a city. And proximity, again, we live in a city and, like, we are close to people. And so even somebody in a smaller town where there's distance and like you know if someone's laughing hysterically and they're close to you that would creep you out but you know especially like when you're super tight in a city on a train like it happens in the film and it's a child is involved like of course the parent's gonna freak out and be like whoa 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 i don't like want you here um around me and i think that highlights the fact that like people like arm's length everything just get it away from me as long as I don't have to deal with it it's great so like well
0: it's out of sight out of mind yeah
1: exactly Um, not in my backyard kind of thing like as long as I don't see it it's great Um, and I think that is a scene that really kind of like forces the hand of like oh no it's like in your face and that goes to the next point which I would which I still believe like does he actually have a problem and that i dis- i think we disagree on this we did, i don't we know did. if he actually does well
0: slow your roll cuz i want to get to that <laughs> you're jumping ahead a little bit but i do want to touch on that but i do think that it's not just the mom and kids and first off even if there is a parent out with a child and they're uncomfortable with something that someone else is doing near their child or having their child be exposed to that i i still feel like there's a an appropriate way to handle that with the person who's being inappropriate in front of your child and also with your child. I mean, you got to remember, this kid, your, your child is watching you and they're observing and you're modeling for them. So I also feel like that mom, I get the protective mama bear stance, but I also feel like she was kind of an asshole by teaching her child that it's okay to be rude to people who are different or who make us uncomfortable you can be uncomfortable and take your space or you know ask for space or whatever it is that you need to feel more comfortable without having to be a jerk about it
1: i definitely think they make her seem like a bit of more of a jerk in the movie to obviously highlight the point but i think the majority of people would probably if even if even interact with him at all in the first place I think pretty much people's main response would be pretty much what she did in the film.
0: Which to me is kind of sad because I feel like, you know, that just means that we have an older generation of assholes breeding a new generation of assholes. And that sucks. And it's because we're still placing judgment and behaving in a way that is just perpetuating marginalization and negative attitudes and it's not actually promoting understanding compassion acceptance
1: that takes time and effort looking glancing and making quick judgment way easier for most people to do
0: well I'm not mean, saying it's
1: right, but I'm saying that's what people do because what you're asking for them is to take time and care. Most people don't give.
0: Well, what you're talking about is like a kunian crisis, but that's like a whole separate topic of people not wanting to, you know, they want to stay stuck in their opinions and not looking at facts or wanting to actually take the time or expend the energy to look beyond something. Um, but regardless, uh, non sequitur, I do think that that was not portrayed to show her protectiveness. I think that that scene was there to show the negative attitude and how she's modeling to her child. At least that was my takeaway, was that was not a great way to handle that in front of her kid. And what's interesting is initially that little boy was like making faces and being playful with Arthur. The little boy naturally had this curiosity and this like tender approach. It was so innocent and sweet.
1: Because he took the time. No one wants to do that. Right. No but, one like how many how many times in a day do you ever talk to a random person on the street? Most people, ne- I per- personally some people do. You yell at me
0: for this when we go out in public because I strike up conversations with random people all the time, and you're like, "Do you have to talk to everybody?" And I'm sure. like, "Yes, yes, I do."
1: I like I like being a hermit, but <laughs> I just I don't I don't think most people are going to take the time, especially if someone's weird again. We all have, largely all have eyes and can see people. And the first thing we're going to do is if they're w- different in any way from us, anyway, way, and the first thing is going to be like, oh, that's weird. Because we're just visual creatures. We are what we are. And like...
0: We're judgmental. It's not about being visual.
1: Sure. But I mean, from afar, like he is weird in that movie. For Throughout the movie, he looks weird. He's always down. He's always kind of by himself. And so the kid you know, kind of like unknowingly interacted with him just thinking like, oh, he's funny. He's making me laugh. He took the time to get there and like, oh, he's funny at least. And like, and the mom just wasn't going to have it. But But so
0: did the kid through the fence. Like what you see is that people who don't have Bruce Wayne is his name. Okay. Sorry. Lo siento. So (laughs) the kid through the fence who turns out to be Bruce Wayne, who he initially interacts with Mm -hmm. The kid wasn't scared of him until the butler came out and started like shooing Arthur away. But before that, he was doing his clown act and Mm -hmm. he was interacting with him and being very sweet. And the kid was receptive to it. And I feel like to have that be a scene that's acted out repeatedly is such a huge statement on how judgmental people are, how we're socialized to be judgmental, to immediately assume the worst and to not pause even for a minute to have any understanding or compassion. And I also feel like that breeds contempt. I mean, that is what leads people to get really angry. This is the problem with, you know, every time there's a school shooting or anything like that, We're so mad at the person. Well, he was weird and he was acting abnormally and he was this. Well, what was the reception he got from the people around him before he completely lost it and went off the deep end and, you know, exploded and ended up killing people? Like what? How was he treated in the first place? We can't sit there and be mad at him for being weird when we also treated him like shit just for being weird.
1: Mm-hmm. and what was but what was his reaction to when the guy came down and told him to leave
0: he got he, hostile
1: he choked him
0: yeah mm-hmm. he got aggressive mm-hmm. yeah
1: yeah because he's real dark he is dark. <laughs> he's a dark character he is like,
0: dark and i want to get into that too because mm-hmm. we got into it that's that was where the conversation got heated but on to your point of was it real right so mm-hmm. tell me more about that
1: I just see, like, again, it reminded that movie, the entire movie, when they get towards the last quarter of it, to me, it became very much like Fight Club. And it's like, oh, everything you thought you knew. And you already know you have an unreliable narr- narrator, given that he has mental issues or something is wrong with him. Um, and, you know, by the end of it, there's, and they hand it to you on a plate and they show you that, no, he's a not- totally unreliable narrator. Uh, his quote-unquote girlfriend never was really there ever. And so they basically, by doing that, he's an unreli- unreliable narrator to the max. And basically that's where the stuff, like my concept of like, does he actually have a laughing problem? Because we see him in the movie, especially the one time when he gets fired, he walks out and he's laughing. And as soon as he turns a corner, he stops. And that is the moment that I'm like, oh, huh, that's weird. So I just feel as though by making him an unreliable narrator... I don't really know what, if all, I believe in that movie. Mm. But that's okay. I mean, the movie's fine. It's yeah, just like, yeah. I just don't know what is real, real, and what is not.
0: So, here's where we kind of got into it, and I'll give you my take on it. So, I believe that whether, because it's from his perspective, he's the narrator. Well, he wasn't really the narrator. It was he's, just, in,
1: he's in like all but like one scene right, in the it's, entire movie. It's
0: his story, but <laughs> yeah. he's not necessarily the narrator, but... Yes, they give it to you from his perspective. So when they have the scenes of him being with the girlfriend, it's how he saw it, and then you see how it really was. But I also feel like it doesn't really matter whether it was real or not. And um, the reason why I say this is basically um, when I was training to be a therapist, one of my first and most influential mentors was um, this guy named Wally. And... um, this was out in Jersey. But anyway, Wally was a postmodernist. And that means he did not believe in diagnosis, he didn't believe in assigning a label a code he thought that was basically for money purposes that that was more for psychiatrists not for therapists and that a therapist should look at a person in terms of their context so whatever symptoms they're presenting should be looked at as a representation of that person's experience and their context and he even took this to the level of his work with people who are schizophrenic and psychotic meaning they had psychosis symptoms of psychosis so hallucinations delusions paranoia thinking things are there that really are not hearing voices you know that kind of thing and he thought that all of those hallucinations and delusions were actually metaphors for the person's experience of their own life or whatever has happened to them so i feel like in that regard you know having this sort of filter to look at it through i feel like it kind of puts his story whether accurate or not as still being descriptive of his experience so even if he wasn't really laughing all those times but you know, it was a condition where he laughs at times when he's, like, anxious or stressed, that what he's saying is whether he was laughing or not, whether the story's accurate, he was anxious or stressed. He was in stressful situations. You know, whether it looked that way exactly, maybe not. Maybe not true. Maybe not accurate. But, you know, I even the stuff around, like, you know, the people who bullied him and beat him up, You know, did that actually happen? Well, even if it didn't, and this is one of his delusions, I mean, if you think about the metaphor in that, it's him feeling um, beat up. Beat
1: down by society. Yeah, beat down
0: by society. He's feeling like um, he's not safe, like, you know, people are not fair to him. You know, it still speaks to his experience of, you know, being around other people, of society, of how he's viewed, how he is accepted or not accepted. So to me, I just think, if even if it's not real, but you look at it as a metaphor, it still holds value and it still does hold truth and accuracy. And, you know, it's. I just think it's not as cut and dry as is it true or not, because regardless, there are scenes that we see that are factual um that do actually point to him having been through some really intense trauma and abuse and abandonment and um stuff that is definitely going to impact him
1: yeah i mean it's he's you know the movie itself provides a good it's basically a character study largely totally. just a character study in, in the like a movie of just a character um and you know, is it true or is it not what happens? Sure, it doesn't really matter right because still, what happens in the movie is what happened at worst in his mind like it all happened. this yeah. is his world, this is how he became who he is right um, but I just i just I found it to be interesting because by making him so unreliable, like he's so unreliable that it makes me question so much about it that I was actually glad to see it again the second time, to watch it, yeah. knowing that, going into it. And, like, they do a good job of, like, never making it seem, like, ridiculous, like anything too stand out, too crazy. Um, but they they do a good job. And, you know, obviously, again, like, it doesn't really matter if it's true or not. It's still his experience in his mind that you're going through. Um, but I think, you know, one of the best scenes, it kind of...
0: But it is true that he was abused, that he was marginalized...
1: Uh, probably but you don't know like you don't know
0: see i feel like that part was pretty accurate but i guess because
1: you saw him fight the, for the papers from the guy and well hospital. the papers but
0: also the guy's attitude when he was giving him the papers upon reading them mm-hmm. like he saw something that was horrific and that was made clear so to me i feel like you know true or not if another person sees it and is horrified by it it was something horrible that happened to him there's something horrible in his history and you also see the newspaper clippings in there with the stories of it in his file of like you know this like abuse den where this child was being yeah, you know it's all, terrorized it's
1: very comic book but
0: stuff, to yeah. me like seeing newspaper clippings is what gives it credibility
1: Well, you saw his girlfriend sitting next in the whole movie. Yeah, but that's a person. That's
0: not a newspaper clipping. (laughs)
1: Um, (laughs) Yeah, I just, uh, yeah, I just, I I find that part really interesting. Because again, like, I mean, they could have totally done that entire thing of him looking at the stuff. And like, he couldn't deal with reality, which is he's not adopted. It's just really boring. But maybe that's his version of it. But who knows? But it doesn't matter. Like, it really doesn't matter at the end of the day in the story. Um,
0: But he'd been lied to. Like, that was clear ish ah oh, you're such a non-believer so um the last thing i kind of wanted to touch on that we got into this is where we got into kind of a, an argument towards the end of our talk in the car was you thought that he was a bad guy
1: he is a terrible person
0: and i did not agree i actually thought that he was the tragic hero, and that the bad guy is really society.
1: No, he's not the hero at all. Like at all, he shoots somebody in the face on camera. No, I
0: get that he's violent.
1: He he, because they threw a French fry at a woman, it's okay to f- kill three people. No, he is crazy. He's crazy. He's the Joker. He is chaos. He's pure chaos. Like, and I mean, they they set him up in a way at the end. To be like, everyone laughs. Like, honestly, again, like the whole concept of like reality versus true really flows into this perfectly. And this, in the this scene where you, where you get to watch his stand up from the real point of view where no one is laughing and it ends with his point of view earlier, the lights shining on him, arms up and everyone's laughing. But that's not real. And that, and that is where you're like, he's crazy. And then he goes on TV and shoots somebody in the face. Like, yeah. he's crazy.
0: I get that. He does. And that is violent. And that is unnecessary. And yeah, it's out of line. And there's got to be something wrong with you to be able to inflict such harm without remorse on another person. But at the same time, I feel like it's this, again, it's this statement of if you push someone and you keep marginalizing them, you know, if they kind of turn, if it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy where you're saying they're weird and everyone should get away from them and they finally decide, well, fuck it, I'm going to live up to it. You know, who's really done the wrong? Like, do you think he would have gotten to that point had he not been beat up and bullied all those times? If he wasn't abused, if he wasn't traumatized as a child, do you think that he would even have that level of rage and violence in him?
1: Probably not.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. So, I don't think that he's to me, I see a bad person as somebody who wants to intentionally hurt another person and is has no remorse, has no guilt, is is actually pleased by it and you know, is is entertained by it. Like it doesn't phase them. To me, but that's also like a sociopath where they completely lack empathy. But I also feel like you know, there was, there were glimpses of empathy, but if you also look at somebody with severe trauma who hasn't been shown empathy, you know, they don't really have it modeled for them. So, yeah, it should come naturally, but he's... You don't know what his genetic predisposition is if he's adopted. We don't know who his parents were. We're only
1: given what we know in the movie. I know that. I know that. <laughs> and he literally, like, his entire end goal ends in literal chaos. No,
0: I I know. Thank you. Thank you. Like,
1: literally, it ends in chaos. Like... I get I, that. Okay, I, I get it. It's <laughs> just see any ending ending in chaos, being like, he's just ending, And he
0: has to turn into the (laughs) character that, you know, you then see in all the Batman movies, who's evil. But as far as his origins, there's something tragic about it. And there's something that kind of pulls, at least on my heartstrings for him, in terms of how he's treated, how he's marginalized, how he's perceived, how he's bullied. You know, to me, I really feel like you know, no, it doesn't buy him the right to be, to terrorize other people just because he's been through some horrible stuff. However, you know, I don't think it's okay to just gloss over how he was terrorized and that, you know, that needs to be dismissed because he then killed people. Well, no, it's all not dismissible. It's all not excusable, but... it's almost like as soon as he goes off the deep end and gets violent, that everything that happened to him kind of fades into the background because now he's like this evil, horrible, violent, terrible person.
1: He's the Joker. He
0: is the Joker, but I don't think it's okay to just turn away from how society acted towards him before he became so violent and aggressive. When he was just trying to be entertaining as a clown, when he was just trying to take care of his mom and come to terms with, you know, his his needs, his mental health stuff. You know, even then, before he was violent or aggressive in any way, he was treated like absolute garbage. And that's not okay.
1: Of course it's not okay, but neither is killing people.
0: I totally agree. I totally agree. But... One doesn't outweigh the other is what I'm saying.
1: No, but because one thing leads to the other, it's okay to feel bad for them, but it does not give them a carte blanche to be an asshole for lack of a better term. Totally. That's all. Totally. Cause then it's like, Oh, I was hit as a kid. Sorry. I shot you. My mom hit me a lot. No, it's like, it doesn't. No.
0: It, it doesn't <laughs> excuse that. I not totally at all. agree. It's not an excuse. But I also think that there needs to be consideration made towards, you know, what happens before he starts killing people, how he's treated and how, Mm -hmm. you know, just because he does go off killing people, all of the rest of that is seemingly excused, which to me, this is exactly the heart of this statement on how we treat mental illness, how we push people, marginalize them, mistreat them, abuse them, and then just expect them to take it and be okay. And not all of them can, not all of them do, but when they do break and turn around and act violently, I just think that, yes, they are to blame. It was a decision that they made and they're accountable for their behavior, but there isn't enough accountability held for what happened to them up to that no, and I, how they were marginalized and
1: that's why they show you the stuff that happened to him because without it you wouldn't care You'd just be like he's a crazy asshole yeah but with all of this bad stuff that you see happen to him from like the system co-workers friends family etc family especially like you're like oh like but it's it's a movie like they have to show you that they but have I to give you but I feel like that oh
0: is so important because I'm just I, I keep coming back to like school shooting stuff and how every time something like this happens, everybody turns to like blaming guns and blaming uh, all of this other stuff. When, you know, I often think, well, how is this person treated up until that by his family or her family, by their environment, by their, you know, their immediate system that they exist in Mm -hmm. their town, their their religious organization, their social circles, their peers, like, how were they treated? And why isn't anybody talking about that? Yes, guns are not always in the hands of people who are going to be responsible them with them and that yes, there should be changes on this. I don't wanna get into a political debate, but I also feel like we pay so much attention to things that stir up political controversy and we don't pay enough attention to some of these bigger issues around you know, our attitudes towards mental illness, towards people who are different, how we're so quick to judge, how we impact those specific people who have mental illnesses, who have differences, you know, how these attitudes that we've held for so long actually affect them because nobody wants to be held accountable. Nobody wants to actually be faced with having to admit that they turn a blind eye, that it's out of sight, out of mind for them, I that they're, you know, keyboard warriors.
1: I just don't think what you're asking to, for people to do takes time and energy. That's way too hard for most people. Most people just like to point the finger after the fact because it's way easier and requires... That's
0: so shitty. I know.
1: But it requires way less thought, way less... And I'm not saying it's right, but I'm just saying I think the majority of people want that way and just do that because it's easier. No one wants to, like, look at the... Like, why do these things... No one ever wants to look at the why. Let's, let's fix problems. No one ever wants to look at the why because the why gets real hard and real grainy with detail. But, the pro, like, fixing the end game problem is usually better because it's like, oh, but we're going to fix it. But like, you're only fixing the problem. You're not fixing the source.
0: No, you're fixing the symptom.
1: Yeah, and and no one wants to figure out the source of it. And so...
0: Because God forbid they're part of the source. Oh, no. Yeah,
1: it's just harder. It's just much harder. And so I don't think people largely want to do it, which is understandable. It's much more time investment.
0: I don't think it's understandable, and I don't think it's okay. So we're going to have to agree to disagree.
1: Sure. (laughs) Again, I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm just saying I think most people probably you take think that that's route where it comes from. because that's it's easier. Yeah. Most people want the easier fix, especially if it's only tangentially revol- involves them. Then especially, oh, that's crazy! I don't want to deal with that. Like I don't want to deal with that. Mm. I think that's most people. Like most, they don't want to deal with problems that they don't have to. Yeah. So, but uh, no, it's a, again, it's a it's an interesting movie, and I think it does a good job of showcasing kind of modern stuff, um, like modern kind of real dark concepts that you probably wouldn't have seen in a movie even 10 years ago.
0: So do you think that he would win an award for his for his performance?
1: He'll probably get nominated at best, but it's a comic book movie, so probably won't win.
0: Sadly. Why don't you think he'll win?
1: Because uh, he's a white male? Uh, no, it has nothing to do with that. I just think that because it's a comic book movie,
0: Well, I just thought that it was a really powerful performance and a really good portrayal of a lot of different things, not just the comic book story. So if I could, I would give him the award. I thought he did a stellar job. And I thought that the way the movie was written and some of the subtleties in there were, um, they just kind of, I think they have a lot of value, especially today.
1: Well, when you become an, account name, an Academy member, you can vote for it.
0: <laughs> Which is uh, never. So, <laughs> so in any case, um, thank you for letting me annoy you.
1: Now you're very welcome.
0: <laughs> and um, thank you guys for listening and tuning in. And I'd, again, I'd love to hear your feedback, any comments, any thoughts. Um, let me know if you've seen the movie and what you thought of it. And again, thanks for listening to Undressing the Issue.